Welcome, Connell. Hello, listeners. Hey, Hugh. Welcome, listeners, and welcome, producer Gil. Hugh, why are we here? We're here to inspire and educate the business owner. How are we going to do that today, Connell? We're going to do that by discussing psychometric testing. Yeah, we'll find out, is psychometric testing horoscopes horoscopes for business people? (laughs) Horoscopes. (laughs) That's right. We're going to find out. We're also going to look at each other's tests. And we have another segment of Bads' Box, where this week Ryan dismantles all of our beliefs around psychometric testing. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for that time. Also on the show, we'll close the loop. But now it's time for Rapid Fire Review. Let's get into it. Welcome to Two Paths, One Journey. Connell, rapid fire review. 30 seconds. Any reflections over the last fortnight, week? We discuss big topics on this show. We probably don't go as deep as we should, though. So moving forward, we're going to switch that up and we're going to focus in, hone in on the specifics. And I think that's going to benefit the show and our listeners. And it's going to make our lives a lot easier, too. I think so. But talking more about our experience. So that's been a good review. For me, it was really about the power of some of the things. So I brought on a new staff member. Uh, hello, Jenny. He's doing the social media. And I know the process that it takes time to invest in the people. So knowing the end result, meaning that it's worth putting the, the effort in your people. And the second thing is, is that leading with your your values. So leading with the values in in, in my own business. And Jenny, the new member, is actually using those values back to ask for help. So it's been really, it's been good trusting the process and understanding. Like I fully believe in this and practice what we preach. Yeah. So so two things. One, you're leading with your values. Mm. It's already working with someone who's brand new into the business. And the second thing is, is knowing that you're investing in the person. So so trust the process. You're going to come out because it can get a bit frustrating. What's an example of the the values that she's demonstrating? Well, there's something, part of my values in my own business, which is from the WD40, which is the Maniac Pledge, which is that you're a business unit of one, Yeah, basically is how I summarise it. Yeah, And I've asked her as an adjunct to my values is be courageous. Yep. Have the courage to tell me things, have the courage to ask. Yep. And she, she's like, oh, I need to ask this and I'm struggling here. So whenever we come back to that and saying, you're responsible, you're a business unit of one, you know, you need to de- demonstrate some of these things. So that's what came up. Yeah, great. I'll have to look into that because when you said WD-40, I thought you meant like the grease. It is, it is. <laughs> oh, the grease. It is, it is. It is, it is the business. The WD-40 have got something called the Maniac Pledge. Oh, right. And, and yeah. it's along the lines of you are responsible for asking questions. You shouldn't be offended if somebody doesn't tell you, you go out and get it. That's, oh. yeah, it's it's probably 50 words, but oh, it's good. it's a mantra that I've integrated into my values. <laughs> who knew Greece could be so insightful? <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Who good. knew? Who knew? Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the show, psychometric testing. Let's do it. You're listening to Two Paths, One Journey. So in show five... We spoke about sort of six steps, and I think step four was the psychometric testing, mm-hmm. and we, we said it's big content in that, so we just made it a whole show. Yep. As you said in the rapid-fire review, we should have made each one of those steps a whole show, yep. but we're just going to drill down on psychometric testing and why it's important. So why do you think it's important? What's, what's your experience with psychometric testing? Yeah, definitely. We've both had experience in similar situations using psychometric testing. You're definitely more across it than I am. But first of all, it's probably good to understand what it actually is, just for those who might not be aware. But psychometric testing is just a general assessment that measures an individual's cognitive abilities or their personality traits. So, you know, it gives you data-driven results about a person. 
And for me, I value that because it takes some of the gut feeling out of, you know, recruiting and dealing with people. You kind of, you can now rely on a technology that can tell you things that you might assume or you might not assume and it can counter those ideas or it can reaffirm them as well. And that's really valuable to me. Yeah, Bads goes a bit rogue on, on, psych <laughs> on psychometric testing and his journey with that, which I think mm. is quite pertinent, but the same sort of thing. It's a data-driven way to explore motivation, preferences, typical behaviours, interactions, strength and weaknesses, yep. and things can measure reasoning, problem solving and perception. So there's a, there's a big raft and heaps of different tests and that's what we're really going to, we're going to drill down on what we know that works. Yeah. So there's a shitload of tests, but we've picked two. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we've picked these two is because we know they've worked. We've got experience. Yeah. They're the ones we're most familiar with. And to talk to that point, so having experience, I think, you know, I just want to reaf reaf reinforce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a bit sick, so. Yeah, yeah. Con well, Con Con got Connell's got tonsillitis. Coming over tonsillitis. So, so, <laughs> so we'll, uh, forgive me for oh, some missteps. <laughs> small amount. Yeah, small, yeah, yeah, yeah. The small amount of grace. is inches away. Yeah, small amount of grace. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, so I mean, a great example of, of our experience, at least one of my experiences with psychometric testing was back in the day when I was working in HR for another company, we had a candidate and they had met with a panel of interviewers, um, which included myself. We all felt really good about them and we walked away feeling really impressed. Our gut feelings were that they'd be a great fit. We then gave them some psychometric testing to complete and it came back extremely negative. It said that they weren't keen to lead, they were typically introverted, they didn't want to deal with people. And um, we decided to ignore it. We made an offer and we found out that the testing was exactly right. They didn't want to step into a managerial role despite making you know six figures and being in a pretty senior position within the company. They just ended up doing grunt work and you know, not really contributing the way we need them to. But um, what about you? Have you ever had an experience with psychometric testing? Yeah, I have. And, and to summarise your tool, I wasn't involved in that recruitment process. That was just an individual learning. <laughs> You're I, washing I, your hands of it? No, I'm not, well, I had the, I'm not washing my hands. I've had exactly the same learning. And, and Bad says the same thing, do you hire a good actor? Yeah. And, and I can't talk for that experience, but I actually felt that I've hired good actors. And the reason that I first got into psychometric testing for that reason was that the, the candidate, the way that they portrayed themselves, whether it's written, whether it's a resume, whether it's in the interview, just didn't fully give me a good picture of who they were. So, so that's where I went looking. But, but when we actually found some good psychometric tests that, we, that we'll talk about today, it actually gave another tool for development mm. as well. So development of your existing staff yep. and, and, and a good pathway. So that, that was my thing. And, and the main thing that I like is in the interview process, and, and you've used the term gut feel, mm. but I'd swap out gut feel for bias. Yep. Your, your biases bugger you. Yeah, you know, yeah. you you are misled all the time by your biases, and this gives an unbiased mm -hmm. assessment or a consistent assessment of different people. So over time, you build up the skill, make sure you pick the right test, mm. and and you go from there. And I, I got to say, that was a unique experience for me. So working with you in that position and seeing how you utilize tests to retroactively, you know, figure out characteristics about people that we didn't know. So staff that we were carrying and we could start to realize, well, this is what they value in a job. This is what they want. This is how we can develop them further. You know, I always thought psychometric testing was just for screening, but there's a lot of applications. And we're going to be talking about two today that we mentioned. So we have the oceans, the big five yep. typically referred to as, and then we have Harrison. Want yep. to get kicked off with oceans? Yeah, yeah. We'll get kicked off with oceans. Sounds Let's good. So 
Ocean or, or the Big Five? So, why is it called Ocean? Why is it called the Big Five, Connell? I will answer why it's called Oceans, because <laughs> I'm the acronym king. <laughs> you are that. I yes. didn't even I did, Yes. <laughs> Leading to your strengths. Yeah. <laughs> and Oceans is an acronym. Yeah. So, it's an acronym for the uh, characteristics that they actually assess on okay. the candidates. So, I'll just run through what they all stand yeah. for now. Uh, it's a bit funny because they actually changed one of the characteristics, so I'll, I'll mention both. But yeah. Ocean stands for O, openness to experience, C, conscientiousness, E, extroversion, A, agreeableness, and then N, neuroticism, which is now referred to as emotional stability. Yeah, I think emotional stability is just easier to understand. Yep. And in some of the tests, that, that's what that portrays. Yep. Where I personally ended up with Oceans was we go back to show five and I talk about that massive fails or my massive fails in hiring people. And I was like, exactly, I hired the actor. And was, this person wasn't the right person for the business and then also not hiring people for the role. So I went, went searching and it's like, there's got to be a silver, bull, silver bullet. Surely people have uh, found better ways to hire people. Surely there's some psychometric testing. And this is the problem with psychometric testing. Most of it is BS. There's not, nothing that's, that I'd found was underpinned except the two that we're talking about, and Ocean was one of them. And, and there was data behind that. And, and the science did say that there was something around that. Great segue. Yeah. <laughs> what, what does science tell you? What are you typically looking for in an Ocean's assessment? Well, out of all the mumbo jumbo that it's had, it's really simple. The, the science says that your best candidates mm -hmm. are your smartest and the highest in conscientiousness. Yep. And another good indicator is that neuro neuroticism or emotional stability. So the other two things that, that I started with mm -hmm. when, when screening for oceans. So you typically look for people that have high results in emotional stability and conscientiousness. Yeah, definitely conscientiousness is yep. number one. Number two is another good indicator. And I will just say, because I actually wasn't familiar with conscientiousness prior, or I at least had a misdefinition of it. I thought it was something else. But it's it's someone's ability to follow through with work and to complete a task that's assigned to them. So when we say conscientiousness, it's just really their performance and completionism. Yeah, the Oxford yes, dic yes. dictionary. <laughs> I haven't got a definition, but I'd agree that's the definition yeah. with myself. It's like that, yeah, that follow through, conscientious to get some, yeah. you know, follow through. I yeah. think that's that's a good, good way to summarise it. Well, where you and I might differ a little bit, I personally use psychometric testing as a guide more than as an outright negative. And I'll tell you about a time where I think I use that successfully because I know you're probably tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're a bit stricter in that if someone scores quite lowly, that's an outright red flag. You're probably not going to move forward with them. But I had a time where I was looking for an assistant in one of my previous roles and I got one of the candidates to complete a big five personality assessment and their conscientiousness came back quite low. I didn't rule them out though because their experience showed counter that. So they had been with one company for, I think, the better part of a decade. They're quite young. So that was pretty, I guess, <laughs> not common <Yeah. laughs> amongst the younger generation. Um, so I didn't, I didn't get that sense. So again, it's a bit counter to what I've said before. I used my gut and mm. I wanted to continue the person through the application process. And I had an interview with them. And in the interview, I created interview questions just around the fact that their conscientiousness had come back low. And the candidate actually let me know that Yet they kind of tended to agree with that because they found they had issues, you know, leaving tasks to the last minute. Again, I didn't rule them out though. I actually made an offer and I had that person come in as one of my assistants. And 
I just manage them differently. So I set shorter deadlines, figuring that, you know, if they were going to leave it to the last minute, set a shorter deadline, they'll complete it and it'll still be on time. And they actually ended up working out quite well in the role. But for you, is it more of an outright dismissal? You're not going to consider someone that scores lowly? Well, I think it's another data point. So you can't dismiss anybody and, and be realistic. Like in today's market, if you're looking for staff, you might get five people. Mm. What if they all sc- score low on the conscientiousness? I think this is the part of the test and the part of the testing and that you use. It's like, how do you use it in the sense that, okay, I'll ask interview questions about that. Mm. Did, did they answer the test honestly, you know? Were they nervous when they took the test? Can we trust the results? Mm. But having said that, in a perfect world, just say you've got 100 applicants and you've got, and we, we talked about show five in the screening, and you've done all the screening and you've got 10 really good applicants or you've got 20 really good applicants. Well, then you can start to rule people out and mm. use it more as a, as a screening tool than as a guide. Yeah. But when you've only got five candidates and none of them test the way, well, that you expected or you'd hoped, then then you've, you've got a tool to one, manage the person, two, dig deeper in the interview. So it's all linked together. What mm. if you've got somebody who is already on the staff and you're doing it retrospectively mm. to the staff and they show, you know, you don't just go and sack them. Yeah. So I, I don't disagree with you. And and that's that's the experience. It's like, when do you cut the candidate? When do you develop the candidate? It, yeah. there's, there's a multitude of factors. But yeah. I think it's a good insight. You address the question and, and then you enable you to recruit better. So in that, you mentioned a couple issues with the testing. And I think everything uh, it carries on to what you're speaking about earlier, but there's no silver bullet. No. For whatever it is when it comes to people, there's no silver bullet, unfortunately. And, and that's even with oceans. Like oceans, mm-hmm. I would consider like a basic 101 entry-level test. Yeah, It's cheap to administer. It's quick to do. And the results, again, should be used as a guide and another data point. The problem with oceans, although the results are reliable, it's easily faked. Yes. Yeah. You, you've got experience with that, Connell. Yeah, you- ab- absolutely. So, again, in, in my previous role when I was administering ocean tests in high volumes, there was a period of time where we were just getting very low results across the board. Every candidate that completed the assessment would get very low in all five categories, which was unheard of. You know, to score that poorly <laughs> was shocking. So... We became concerned that the actual platform wasn't working. So what I did to test it was I went on and I just put myself in the position of I'm trying to score high on this test and I just went through it with that mindset and I ended up getting very high results in all of them. So what it showed me is that emotionally intelligent people can manipulate the, you know, if they know what they're being assessed on, they can manipulate the results to be favorable for them. So you can score highly on conscientiousness if you know what the questions are asking and if that's going to benefit that result. Yeah. That, and that that was my experience. And, and where in show five we talked about and where we've struggled the most is those senior managers, mm-hmm. those senior people, those six-figure plus salary people that generally are good or bad, know the system, know how to interview, mm-hmm. know how to present. So an ocean did help, but it, but it wasn't enough. And, yeah. and that's where, with a bit further digging, I ended up with Harrison. Yep. So we'll talk about Harrison and the, the, the chunk of the show will be on Harrison and, and we've done Harrison assessments on each of us and, yep. and we'll, we'll dig into Harrison and, and why is it, how it works and some yep. of the other things. 
We didn't get one for Gil, but we'll have to next week. <laughs> no, no, Gil probably break the system. <laughs> <laughs> He's, they've never experienced scores that high. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. So tell us a bit more about Harrison. Why is it more reliable or why is it yeah. different to Ocean? Well, let's say it's harder to fake. Yep. So the way that it works is you've got multiple choice and no answer is better than the other. They all <laughs> seem equally attractive. What I call that is a more than, less than assessment. Yes. So you like something more than something else or you like something less, less than, than something yes. else. Yeah. 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 Is that a technical term? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's term. A connellism. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a more than, less than. Yeah, great. And the outcomes sort of focus on your traits and your satisfaction, and that they then link to the job. Mm -hmm. So it's not obvious to the person doing the test how to test. Yeah. And the other thing too is because it's been done literally hundreds of thousands of times, it, it generates a reliability score. Yep. So if someone's trying to fake the test, it comes back as unreliable. Yep. So different to the oceans where you went and faked the test just with <laughs> going, I'm going to try and get good results on this test. And I've done lots of Harrison around that over many years, I suppose, maybe four or five years I've been using it. Yeah. And the different things, I've never actually sat there and tried to fake the test, but it's difficult. Mm. Or ne yes. I'd say near impossible. That's just anecdotally from myself. Yeah. And I will say- on my assessment, I got a 98.8% reliability score. Yeah, so. Okay, so you're very reliable. <laughs> well, you said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're very reliable doing the house and with your answers. Yeah, but uh, from my own experience with both the tests, and I just really want to hone in on this kind of point that, you know, I want to make sure we're clear. I think the real benefit of a Harrison versus an Ocean is that Oceans are very obvious about what's being tested, but Harrison, the assessments are built in the back end specifically for different roles. So the actual specific criteria a candidate is being assessed on is unclear to them, which makes it hard for them to be able to manipulate that test. Yeah, exactly. And, and we've got some of our own results, so we'll talk yeah. about that and how we feel as the individual and, and the results and our own finding. And just to give the, the audience a bit of a feel. But as we said, like Harrison, it works on your traits, your work preferences, and then it's underpinned what they call like enjoyment performance theory. So really simple. That means if you like doing something, you do more of it. If you tend to do more of it, you get good at it. If you get good at it, you get good feedback, and then you tend to do more of it. So it's got this performance enjoyment cycle, which makes sense. Like it's, mm. it's pretty bloody simple to understand. And then the flip side of that is is the opposite cycle, which is the, they call it the undevelopment cycle. If you don't like doing something, you don't do much of it. And because you don't do much of it, you don't get good at it. Because you don't get good at it, you don't get good feedback from it. You get probably negative feedback. So you do less of it. Yeah. So the simple thing is, is the job that you're doing, does it align with you as a person? Are you likely to get benefit and be good at those traits you're doing, get better at them, get the good feedback and keep doing it. So those th that's all it does. So it's really obviously complicated, but in essence, quite simple in the sense, if you're at work and you're doing more of the things you like doing, you're going to get good at them. Mm -hmm. And that performance cycle is going to continue and improve. So if you're retroactively administering a Harrison assessment to a staff member that you have and say that they're weak on clerical yeah. work, you know, they're not interested in it, yeah. for example, what do you then do? Is that something that you try to develop them on by giving them more of it or or is it something you move them away from because you know that they don't enjoy doing it? Well, I, I think it depends on the task. And that's, well, that's that's a pretty good question. I'll answer it with another example. Mm. In When we're screening for a financial accountant, some of the candidates, so just in my process, the top 
sort of five candidates, I'll run the Harrison mm-hmm. on them. And then one person who was probably candidate number five, like throughout, they were a bit cranky and a bit obtuse to be around. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, they did the Harrison and they ranked really score for numbers and a lot of the things that, that should an accountant should like doing. So they're probably really unhappy. Like that's me just summarising. So they're in a job that was about numbers and accounting and mm. other bits and pieces, but all the traits and behaviours that that encouraging that job were really low. So you've got the accountant that doesn't yeah. like numbers. The other things that I've found, you've got the leader who doesn't like to lead. Yep. So all of these things where you're coming up, which it doesn't answer your question, but I will answer your question. If you've got somebody on your staff and they don't, like doing the core part of their work, well, it's a massive problem for them and your business. They're never going to unlikely perform because they're doing tasks that they don't like to yes. do. Yeah, it's it's just an innate conflict, direct conflict with what they're doing. Okay, that is interesting. The cycles that you mentioned, I mean, like I said, I find that I naturally gravitate towards some things and then away from others. Yeah. And we obviously, like we mentioned, have run the test on ourselves. So <laughs> well, let's let's see whether we agree with some of the stuff that, that talk about your task preferences and your interests and other things. So from from a perperspective, you know what did it say about you and and what do you think is true or not true? I actually think for the most part, it got me bang on. Um, I think it identified the tasks that I am interested in quite well and in the correct order. Hugh's got mine here and I can see that um, I'm just going to steal your page. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) So, yeah, it's put in order of importance to me, doing something that helps others or society, teaching, building or making something, research or learning new information. I mean, that's pretty spot on. Yep. Can you know starting a company pretty well touches on all of those points, but the one that stood out to me is teaching. Yeah. So in my career, you know, I've always gravitated towards coaching because I'm a little bit different to you, and I'm not sure if you've outright said it by this point, but I think you will have. But I've always seen the value in upskilling someone else below me or around me because it's a short-term cost for a long-term gain. You know, you lose a bit of time training them, and they mm. might make mistakes that you have to correct. But once they're at your level and can take tasks away from you, it's a huge benefit to yourself. So I've always had that opinion, which means I've always really enjoyed coaching people and training them and developing them. But then what I thought was interesting was that in the tasks that I tend to dislike, it's put as one of my lowest doing something artistic. Yeah, I'm left-handed. I'm quite left-brained, which I think typically people say are more artistic. So I do like arts and I like artistic things, but I'm not good at design. I'm not very good at it, so I don't do it often. So I don't get better at it. So I don't get praised for it. And I tend to offload that sort of work to others. But in general, I don't dislike doing artistic things, which I think is a really interesting example of that more than less than. It's not that I don't like arts and arts-based tasks. It's just I don't like it as much as others. And that's the point with any of these tests. I think they should be used as a guide and you as an individual. So if we're talking of the test as a context of career development or personal development, like we are now about our own tests, I think they give a really good guide. And you know yourself, but going back to the mindset show, like the awareness and the reflecting on things, which we'll talk about a bit later when with some of my awareness with some of the results, but just the other few things that I highlighted from your test is Generally, you enjoy just yes or no answers. You enjoy working with people. Yes. Yes. You're, you're optimistic and positive. Yep. 
Okay, you reasonably relax. Yep. See, so these things which I, I've highlighted, um, here's a good one. <laughs> you, it says you're tolerant of people who are blunt. <laughs> well, to work with you, you'd have well, to be. Well, <laughs> that's exactly right. Like that showed up in my test that I could be a bit more diplomatic, yeah. but I'm, I'm quite blunt. You're moderately self-critical. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you can be a little bit hard on yourself, Yeah. Uh, which I, I, I've resonated, and good interpersonal skills. Yeah. So I think from a summary point of view, it's got a, a pretty good take. It's got a good read on me. Yeah. For me, and I'll just yes. pass some papers across <laughs> to Connell, like I've, I've highlighted some of my things, but- just what, what does it say about just some interests and other bits and pieces or anything that highlights to you? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the biggest highlights to me is the fact that you've highlighted your own name on the page. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, just in case you forgot, I imagine. <laughs> so, so, I'm organised, mate. So, <laughs> and I think it says there that I'm super organised <laughs> so, so I can see the difference between yours and mine. Yeah, that is true. Oh, well, I'll go through it. So some of the tasks that you enjoy, doing something that helps others or society, analysing facts, problems and decisions, Organising something, working with numbers, researching and learning new information. Yeah. Organising something. Look at the guy that's got the printed <laughs> and the name pages and the checklist from which we didn't go through at the start. <laughs> but, but it'll be in our show notes knows, and on yeah. the website somewhere. <laughs> so I feel that's got a pretty good read. If coming back to the interpersonal skills, optimistic and a positive outlook. Yeah. I also, mm. I feel at ease and relaxed. So yeah. there is that synergy. Able to deal with stress, which we spoke about the mindset and other things. That I think that's something that has been developed over time. It's not. These aren't innate skills. These are traits and behaviours. Yeah. Took that- you becoming Batman. Yeah, together. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just pause there for a minute, just connect it. That's why I have personally believe in the Harrison assessment is because it breaks it down to a trait and a behaviour. Like you can't, you can work on a trait, you can work on a behaviour. You've got tangible mm. things that you can start to address and we'll keep talking about that. Something that I found, again, talk about awareness is is I've got some self-sacrificing behavior, which which doesn't help me as a leader. Mm. I wouldn't be any good at sales positions, which I agree with. Mm. I've got a low tolerance of people who are evasive or indirect. All yep. of those things are very, you know, very spot on. Yep. So I think from uh, us as individuals, there's a lot of insights there that yeah. we could agree with. Let's talk about the opposite then, because having a read of your page, there are two points that stand out as being your dislikes that I think are actually interesting, which is a bit of a shock to Hugh. <laughs> I think he, he probably figured one, but two. So it says that you tend to dislike work that involves driving a vehicle. And then another area is work that involves food. Now, your background is in ag, growing baby leaf. And then also, I'm pretty confident you've been a truck driver in the past. <laughs> I've never, never. Well, part of the job, like I used to get in the truck, get in the tractor. Yeah. And then talking about food, we're in food, you know, we're growing vegetables and salads for 17 years. So when looking at that and also talking about earlier shows where what my purpose, my purpose for business, which we struggled with, but it was never about growing fresh and healthy produce to feed the nation. Like people can be motivated by food and they're like, I'm, I'm in farming because I want to grow the best food people can eat. And, and that's a great purpose, but it wasn't my purpose. And then the driving, the same sort of thing, like from an operator point of view, you'll get people that are just naturally really, mm. really good. And, and I'll, I'll have a shout out to who, Rob Rowley, who's been supporting the show. And co- <laughs> like he's yep. a natural operator, do you know? Like he can drive an excavator, he can drive a truck. He just He's just a real yep. natural person in, in that. Whereas I'm not a natural. I've got to work hard at it. Yep. I don't mind the piece of, you know, sitting in the truck or sitting in the tractor, but 
it doesn't come naturally and I don't really enjoy it. Hence the the, the same sort of the, the self-evaluation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and not to be too punny, but so that was just a vehicle then. It was just, you know, doing those tasks was a vehicle for you to realize what your true purpose was. It wasn't ever that that what you were doing in that moment was exactly what you wanted to be doing for the next 10 years. It was just that was that stepping stone to make you go, actually, now I know this is what I want to be doing. Yeah, I think so. I mm. think, and that was probably the challenge in the sense there was this inherent conflicts between yeah. food and feeding people is a massive part of what we're doing. Yeah. So the next thing around the Harrison then is, well, how do you develop some of these things? So it, it's got what's called the paradox methodology where it puts everything back in, it puts it all together. Mm -hmm. and, and then you've got some traits around that. We've discussed traits and behaviours and we haven't gone into detail, just generally how they re react to us. But then the other thing is, is paradox puts them together in combination and they call it the paradox methodology where they combine two traits which are mutually beneficial. Mm. A good example is, is a, somebody that's in the zone. You know what I mean? A state yep. of focus. Yep. So, so in the zone, you, you're relaxed, yet you're focused. It seems contradictory, but it's actually they're complementary. And that's yep. what the paradoxes do. Yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty unique component of Harrison assessment, that there's this overarching trait, and then it compares and contrasts your results for two sub-traits, and it gives you a mastery level. Yep. And um, we've got a few examples <laughs> yeah. of what we did and didn't score highly and lowly on. So I, I guess just to quickly touch on one of mine, one of the traits that I was quite high on was uh, coaching mindset. And I actually don't have my results in front of me. So I'm relying on Hugh again. <laughs> Very prepared. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not as organized. But um, that takes into account your enforcing and then your warmth and empathy. So enforcing this y-axis, warmth and empathy, the x-axis, then there's four quadrants on the graph that sort of tell you where you're going to land within that. And for me, it's it's one of the traits where I am mastered it quite well. So there's no flip behaviors, which you might see when someone's weaker in one of the areas and under stress, they tend to display some different behavior to another. Is that a pretty good summary? Did yeah, that? I think, well, you spoke about it before, like as a coach, you need to be warm and empathetic, mm -hmm. but you also need to make sure the person does the work, whether you're, yep. you're and, and the, the, tr the paradox is called coaching mindset. And that's something which I've noticed in, in your behaviors and your skill, you know, you're very empathetic, but you're also able to enforce. Yep. So that means, you know, as you, the example, you're a good, you're good at coaching. Yep. So let's use this example because it's a good one to explain. If you've got somebody who who's need to lead and they've got to bring people along, if they're not very warm or empathetic, then it doesn't make them a good coach. Mm -hmm. But it, on the counter, if they're not very enforcing, it also doesn't make them a good coach. If they're low both on empathy and enforcing, well, they're actually probably a bad coach. Yep. And this is where you've got different outcomes to be able to train somebody. So for example, if you were needed to be more empathetic and you're training people, well, we could work on how you be more empathetic, how you listen, how you put yourself in the shoes of the person training and, and make you a better coach yep. or vice versa. You may be not very good at enforcing. So we work on skills. Mm. So we've got now these tools to develop you as an individual. And this is a great example of your point in that you can use these assessment as development opportunities. So for me, looking at this result, I'm very high in warmth and empathy, but I'm moderately high in enforcing. So that tells me I can be more forceful when I'm giving directions or when I am coaching, you know, but they're well balanced, but there's improvement available. So that is very interesting. And for myself, where I 
lacked was being more assertive, which I, I mentioned earlier, I could be a bit more self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. But as we spoke in the Mindset Show, like awareness is very powerful. And mm-hmm. as soon as I was aware that, hey, can be assertive in some ways, but there was other things where I just was, wasn't as assertive as I should have been. So now I, I've got a, something that I've, I've got awareness on and I can work on. Mm. Yep. What behaviours do you feel demonstrated that prior to being aware of it? Well, I think going back to when I was on the farm, yep. we're twenty four seven operation, and the, the business had got quite big, you know, and I was doing more executive level CEO type roles, and but then I was still sh- sharing the load of the the watering or the harvesting. I was still on the weekend roster. Yeah, and once I realised, well, that's a bit counterproductive. I need to enforce the roster of the guys. We had plenty in the team. I I no longer needed to be on that roster. So it's just like, I'm actually being a bit self, self-sacrificing, self mm-hmm. but it's not my role anymore, which I think a lot of business owners could struggle with in the yep. sense that as their roles changed, they need to let some things go or they may, need to delegate that. And I could have been more assertive, but the counter to that is someone could be more, you know, not helpful enough. Yep. So they're delegating too much to the team without helping them. Yep. So I just found that that for me, it was the awareness was, was the key. And so I could take action. I was like, oh, of course. Yep. Yeah. Now you've actually done a course in Harrison assessment as well. So you're a little bit more learned on it than I am. So I can read assessment and I can do that sort of thing. But when it comes down to the specifics, I'm a little bit lost. So for example, I wanted to touch on one where it was one of my weaker characteristics. So it's under a behavior called insightful curiosity, and it compares your certainty against your openness and reflection. Now I was incredibly open and reflective but I wasn't very certain. So what does that actually mean? Why does that mean I scored lowly in that? Well, I, I don't know what, well, do you agree with it? Firstly, that's the first thing when, you, when we're conducting it. It's not, it's Harrison is different for different people and, it, and it's taking the average and yeah. Mm. So do you, do you feel like you could be a bit more certain? Yeah, I guess so. But it's, it, it's similar to the, to the theory you use, shooting bullets. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I have strong beliefs loosely held in that I think this might work, but I'm not sure. So I guess I would say it because the more I speak out loud, the more I go, yeah, it's not certain. And because I've been mentoring you, you know, for probably three months now and we worked previously, I've got a good idea. And I think, yeah, you could be more certain, which so now we've got a trait that we can develop. And the the definition for that is the tendency to feel more confident in one's opinions. Mm. So you could do with being a bit more certain. So when I'm coaching you is rather than giving you the answer, helping you get to where mm. you need to go on your own and supporting the decision. And you may notice that when we talk, I'll say, well, what do you think, Connell? It's your it's your choice. You know, mm. I'll give you my opinion, but uh, if you haven't noticed, I end a lot of conversations with, it's your decision, it's your mm. business. Yeah. So you often question your your opinions are correct, which I feel is true in our, our conversations. You yep. like to explore different ideas, yep. which I think is true. You're open-minded, but then coming back to trying a different things and- I think since we did this test, if we were to do it again in another month, you would have developed that because you are becoming stronger with your own opinion. You are. And that's just experience. Yeah. You know, how can you trust your own opinions if you haven't had the experience? So you can't take someone with my experience and then overlap it with you because Mm. I've got further data or more experience to say, yes, I think I'm right. I'm more confident. I've been wrong heaps of times, you know. Yeah. I've made a lot, lot more poor decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be more confident in the yeah. future. Well, that's a great point as well in that reapplication is important. People can change, you know, they can improve, they can grow. So it's important to re-administer these tests over time too great, and great. not to, 
Yeah. Growth mindset. Growth mindset. Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. I think we've covered a lot about the the whole psychometric testing and we've we've gone deep on Harrison and there's a whole lot more, like there's different patterns that's display. But the take home for me is around the psychometric testing is that there's lots of different things out there. It's another data point. It reflects to the person. If you can't get a tangible outcome out of it, I don't see the value in it. Mm. So coming back to the oceans, I think it's interesting and, and it's it's a nice place to start. Yep. But what I like about Harrison is that we've got a tangible outcome. We can focus on how do you be more certain? How do you have more confidence in your own opinion? For myself, with the weaknesses, how do I be more assertive? Just make sure that I'm being self-sacrificing. And I'm, I'm very aware of that. If I think I'm being self-sacrificing, I check myself before I wreck myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the take home. You got any final thoughts before we move on to Mr. Baddock? Yeah. The way that I, I summarize it is that psychometric testing isn't the be all and end all. But the results shouldn't be ignored either. Yeah. The results are results for a reason. So you shouldn't dismiss them, but you need to at least incorporate them into how you treat people. So whether it be how you then interview, how you then manage, or how you develop. And you come back to your example where the tests were done and then they just weren't observed. Exactly. And they found. So I think that's the far edge of the spectrum is if you do them, you need to validate their results yeah. with that individual. And then you need to be able to have the experience to say, are we going to use it? Are we going to hire it? Is it a non-negotiable? Yeah. And it's complicated. Yep. And we haven't spoken about this yet, but it comes into your process too. When you administer the test is yeah. just as important. But we'll talk about that in our processes episode, which is yeah. coming up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So time for Bads's box. Did you know? And you can check it out. Just you, you yeah, type in one yeah. of it. He developed a new type of music that could only be heard by animals. And he used it to communicate with dolphins. Just look that up. Okay. So Google's saying that he then used the music to train the dolphins to protect them from sharks when he attempted to swim across the Bass Strait solo. Yeah. Amazing individual. Oh my God. Let's, let's see what he's got on, to say on psychometric testing. We'll throw it right. This is 2P1J. Ryan, you've got a couple minutes on the board. Let's hear your take on psychometric testing. Uh, yeah, g'day, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Look, psychometric testing, I'll tell you why it's a waste of time. For starters, cultural bias is a massive problem when you're running psychometric testing. So if you fail to account for the unique experience and the background of the individuals, your psychometric testing is going to blow up in your face. Further, psychometric testing is not always a reliable measure of an individual's abilities or their traits and their performance. Things like testing skills, test anxiety and situational factors have a massive influence on the outcomes with the psychometric testing. They're overused, typically by HR professionals and recruiters <laughs> who want to add more to the deal than what they actually bring. And therefore, here's my flash shiny thing that you should use and I'll charge you a bit extra for using it. Over-reliance can bring a narrow-minded approach, and yeah, it's just it fails to overlook who the genuine person is. Uh, they can perpetuate stereotypes and biases, as I mentioned, and they only serve to reinforce existing inequalities and hinder progress to more inclusive society. With that being said, I suppose what you need to look at is that if you're going to use psychometric testing, you need to understand what you're doing. It's, they're not actually a waste of time. Very valuable tool. They've been a great tool for my business and having them introduced to us 
by Hugh in our business has led to some cracking results and helped us sort the wheat from the chaff. But you need to know what you're doing. It's a bit like relying on the weatherman to find out if it's raining. Stick your head out the window, and if it gets wet, then it probably is raining. You can't overlook the human side of recruitment. However, just as their bias within the testing, the human element can provide bias too. You're higher on looks, uh, you're higher on, on multiple other things. So just make sure you know what you're doing and don't rely on one factor alone. Thanks, mate. I think we've got our... Um Little clip for yeah. the, the social media <laughs> regarding the weatherman. Always, re- always can rely on you for a quick. Wi- I can't even speak. <laughs> anyway, that's why you're on the soapbox. And I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so, what one do you other want- thing I forgot to yeah. say: the challenge is if you're not using psychometric testing, you could end up hiring a good actor rather than a good employee, and I've done that as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's my experience, Connell's experience. Yeah, for sure. It's hard for me not to say that I don't feel personally attacked <laughs> by some of that. <laughs> but that's okay, we'll hey, digress. It's my boss, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess I'm a bit I'm a bit confused because at the start you're obviously pretty detrimental to, to psychometric testing, but then at the end there it seems like you came around. So just to kind of summarize your feelings about testing, it's about not never using testing, but understanding the tests that you're supplying and making sure that when you do kind of administer them to candidates, they're fair and they're prepared. Is that right? Mate, I think that's reasonable for people to be to understand what they're getting themselves in for when they prepare for the testing. You don't want someone who tests well. You want someone who can provide you with relevant information. That whole tirade was basically an evolution of my life around psychometric testing. I started out thinking it was a waste of time. I've mm. come to understand that it's a very valuable tool, but like everything, in moderation and in the right hands, it's a valuable tool. But you've got to be careful because if you start looking at the big five personality traits in isolation to something else and you're, you've got someone high introvert or something like that and you think, oh, right, dismiss them and you could be overlooking a cracking candidate for a role. So mm. it's not a not a waste of time, but you've got to know what you're doing. This is not a DIY solution. Yeah. I think it's a good point. The whole show is on psychometric testing, but I think that the point here is, is it's just another data point. And, and what we talk about in the show is, is it's a repeatable data point. It's not opinion, but, but I think it's also, Ryan made a good point that the cultural bias behind some of the things and other bits and pieces, which is important. So ruling candidates in and out on a psychometric testing is dangerous, like ruling them out on on their haircut, you know, yeah. or their looks is, is the same sort of thing. Mm. So I just think it's it's part of the, the, the process. Yes. Another barrier in the race, you know, yeah. you, you know, kind of hurdle but, that they need to kind of overcome. I agree with Ryan. And one of the things that I've heard around psychometric testing, and he, Ryan didn't explicitly say it, but a lot of them are just horoscopes for business people. Like they're just like, oh, yeah, that's nice to know, but it doesn't mean shit. Like someone did one to me and I'm an eagle owl. And it's like, mm. who gives a flying F, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just like my, my star sign. Today I will, you know, have good luck because the moon's in Sagittarius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you used to write horoscopes? Or? <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's my side gig. Yeah. <laughs> I think to, to both your points, because I actually see pretty great value in them, but I agree with Ryan in that you have to be administering the right test. You yeah. know, there are certain roles where the tests that the candidates are provided are just completely 
out of alignment with what the yeah. role actually requires. And that's just nonsensical because yeah. no one's going to perform well. You're never going to find someone good. Okay. So you give data to a statistician, yeah. you know, they'll make it say anything you like. And that's kind of what this can be. You can interpret it whichever way you like. That's experience as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's why we got you on, you know, the man of many hats and master experience, Mr. Baddock. So thanks again for having you. It's always a pleasure. Good to catch up with you. No worries, gents. And if you want to know if it's raining, stick your head out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Cheers, Good mate. Good talking, Ryan. See so, yeah. You're listening to Two Paths, One Journey with Hugh Reardon and Connell Faulkner. Good to hear from Ryan again, Connell. Yep. He looks like a man that speaks to dolphins. So. <laughs> he does. He does. And also, I thought he was going to completely derail the whole show in his first <laughs> his first minute on the soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I couldn't have seen something more anti what we were trying to promote, but no, nah, he brought it back around in the end. Okay. On to closing the loop. So, w- what are we going to close the loop on this week? So there's a few things um, similar to what I mentioned during the rapid fire review. Uh, we're going to be doing shorter shows or at least attempting to do shorter shows, but well, that's yet to be seen. And uh, we're going to go deeper on topics. What else? I think we iterate, we'll work on that, try and give more value for the listener, our customer. And then the other thing too is we're going to do some mini shows on the podcast just to give a bit more of an update because uh, we found out the best way, or we hope the best way to communicate to our listener is just to give the best stories and and, and that experience through the learning. So you, it's called bonus episode. A bonus episode. Sorry, Gil's just uh, <laughs> Gil was staring me down, so I had to pause. So we're going to give some bonus episodes just on the show rather than talk about the theme of the show within the show. Yes, our goal is to give the content in the best way possible. Yeah. Because listener first, it's our value. That's it. What are your final thoughts after having spoken about psychometric testing? Yeah, so psychometric testing, big topic, which we went way over time. So thank you if you listen this far. <laughs> I think it's valuable. So summarize you with oceans. Why, why do you still do an oceans test? Cheap and dirty. Cheap and um, dirty. <laughs> no, it's broad. It's, it gives you a broad sense of who a person is. And it is cheap and it's quick and it's relatively effective for what it tests. I think it's a good starting point, mm-hmm. good way to lead into the interview. It's just a quick discovery tool. And the value is in a deeper tool like a Harrison, which I think from a candidate screening tool, from a development tool, from all of those things, it adds a lot of value. Yep. All right. Upcoming shows to you. We've got a couple. We're going to be looking at business strategy and then systems and processes in the coming weeks. And um, what do we want from our audience, our listeners? Well, thank you to all our listeners that have commented on socials and shared on socials. So that's really appreciated. Anything or any of your opinions on psychometric testing, we'd love to hear so they could jump on the website. And if they disagree with BADS, absolutely let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody would be game to disagree with BADS. (laughs) They'd be making an appearance on next week's BADS's box. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, if anybody thinks they can do a better BADS's box. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But no, exactly right. They can find us at www.2p1j.com. We also have 2p1j across all socials and we're going to have a revamped website soon as well. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, new website coming. Yeah. Uh, the Wix website that Connell banged together. <laughs> well done, but it's getting an upgrade. Cheap and dirty wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> seems to be your model. So thanks again to everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and, and be patient as we try to get better and give you more value every week. Thanks, you. Thanks, Gil. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, listeners. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Two Paths, One Journey. Thank you for tuning in and supporting the show. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you really love today's show, 
please leave us a five-star review. It helps other people discover the show and grow our community. We also want to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can reach us at 2p1j.com or send us an email at info at 2p1j.com. We read every message and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening to 2P1J. We'll see you next time.